Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the 51st edition of Taking Care of Business. We've got two new faces today. I'm joined today by Jess Stevenson, who is the head of our sales progression team. Indeed. Again, probably the most important person in our company. Don't I won't say it out that. loud, but I think that's <laughs> the truth. And someone who I probably speak to more than anyone in my life, including my wife. Very lucky man. So I am very lucky. Um, I don't know about you, but I am. What we're gonna talk about today, guys, is anything and everything that involves sales progression, what Jessica does, and what her team does on a daily basis. I'm gonna dive right in, Jess. Okay, I'm gonna talk about figures and data that I've received this morning. So H1 of 2021, versus mm -hmm. H1 of 2022, we've seen an increase of total sales of 11%. Okay. How would you say that has impacted your team? Well, for my team, what that means is busier people, more cases to deal with in the pipeline, and ultimately more transfers. Um, all of that equates to expanding the team, mm -hmm. which we've been consistently doing, I think, since we, since we started the team. But uh, yeah, any kind of increase for us is we need more um, more hands on deck, really, to be making sure that we're consistently moving through the pipeline. Going back to the figures that I mentioned before, it's not uh, it's not as if it's a twenty five or thirty percent increase in, in in the total sales. So why would you say it's important that we are expanding the team, or why would you say that we are expanding the team the way we are? Yeah, I know it's it doesn't it's not a massive massive increase that you would maybe think that initially would warrant an expansion of the team in terms of figures. But I think it's important to understand like the broader picture of what's happening in the market and with the land department and what's gone on from the beginning of the year. So if I just take it back to January this year is when the um, government announced the change in the weekend. So we the Friday afternoon is now, uh, now closed on Friday afternoons. And what also happened, which had an impact on, on our business was the other days in the week, so like your Monday to Friday, was also um, cut short by maybe one or two hours on every day with the with the land department. So what we saw in the first month of the year was that we've got you know increasing deals coming through the pipeline, um, good staff, experienced staff, um, but a slight decrease in how many transfers we actually got through. So pretty much straight away we had to look at why this is happening and. Ultimately, I suppose that's the less manpower hours that were available to do transfers. What well, we were at the start of last year, yes, in terms of manpower, we were around six or seven, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think maybe we were pushing to get in eight sales progressors at that's that okay. time. We're up to, I think we have, we're just recruiting up to 12 now. So we have, I think we have 10 sales progressors. Yeah. We have um, a coordinator, an administrative coordinator. We do, yeah. And I think that tells you a little bit about yeah. um, the job itself, that we have somebody who is, we put a role in there a couple of years ago, which is one of the greatest things we did actually, who literally just follows up with us at developers and land department and goes around Dubai chasing things in person. I think that tells you a lot about the the kind of nature think, of the business. Yeah, that's the way we've, we've adapted to the market as well, Jess, is that we've also introduced an AML officer as well. Indeed. who is full-time. Yeah, Priya, I think that's a massive change for us. I think it's a massive change for the market as well. Yeah, completely. Not just for us as a business, but overall the real estate market being getting to that point of regulation in Dubai um, is a big change for everyone. And it's changed for clients as well. People are just getting used to real estate brokers kind of asking questions that normally a bank would. Or somebody would ask you if you were making a large investment 
in um, like a savings portfolio or something like that is now coming down to real estate agents are being regulated in that same way, which I suppose was a long time coming and it's good to, for the UAE. I think it's, yeah, um, it's, it's become quite similar to the way it's it's done in the UK. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's only for, for, for the best. Yeah. I I, back, way back when, when I think I first started, it was everything that's been introduced now, all the initiatives that the governments have brought in is it's, it's light years away from, from what it is now. And I think that's only better, not for, not for us as agents, but for our consumers as well, also for the government, but also to self-regulate as well, if that makes any sense. I think it's mm. so important that all these little measures that are being put in, it just adds to the safety, it adds to, because at the end of the day, someone buying a property today, it's it's you know it's the biggest decision of their lives, you know what I mean? So if all these steps are in place, it can only bode well for the, for the whole process of the purchase. Definitely, not just the process, but also um, for people buying here, that longevity, so the more regulated, that I think the UAE becomes in terms of real estate and any other industry, to be fair. It, it does show like progress in that kind of direction mm. of people are staying here longer. It's more attractive to like build this place as a home. Yeah. And I think overall as a market, that's that's a good it's a good step. So going back to the impact on um, the four and a half day week, which I know yes. you love. Um, what other impacts has it had on your team specifically? You, obviously, as a manager. What other things would you say we hurdles that we have to overcome, mm. um, and again, just in general, any issues that we that we face because of the short the short week now. Well, there's a, there's a few things that come into play, and I think it helps that we have really good relationships with the land department and the banks. Yeah. So obviously, they see the team quite often. And until that week had shortened, I'd never seen this happen before in um, in the trustee offices, but. It might get to the point on a Friday where it is that busy. It is there's no sort of token system or anything like that. So it could easily come down to just either you've got to be there first thing, mm. or how can I push to get my transfer done here before before somebody else. Do you think you'll change there? it? I don't think so. No. I don't think that that is there. I mean, I'd love them to change it. Yeah. I mean, I think a split shifts or kind of rotor system or something because it it is. It is difficult because you're losing that and it accumulates, you know, yeah. it accumulates over the two, three weeks and then you're into the into four weeks, you're actually four or five days yeah. down. It's it does cause And it's obviously not just friction. the DLD that we have we have issues with, it's obviously banks and developers and so on and so forth. Have they followed suit with the DLD? Yeah, most of them have. Banks are the timings are a little bit erratic with banks and some of them open reopen again in the afternoon, um, which is helpful. Um, but I mean, EMAR, they're still open till five, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, but most of the developers have have followed suit in the sense that I think they are um, the ones that are mostly linked to government. I think they have to. So in terms of transfers, yeah. obviously Monday to Thursday, it's. What's the timings of, of the um, We can pretty much start around 8.30 okay. and the last submission will be, the system they say will close around 3 yeah. and that's really the last time we can put something okay. in for approval. Yeah. It's just important to remember that we have to then get there about an hour before okay. to make sure that you're actually uploaded in the system. Okay, and then on a Friday it's... Friday really like quarter to, quarter to 12 and it's, okay. it's kind of over. Okay. <laughs> I want to touch on the summer months because obviously not just in sales progression, summer is probably a, a logistical nightmare. Fun and games. I'm not even summer. It's 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 probably one of the main parts of your job trying mm. to delegate when people are away. Because in some instances, yes, you've got four people attached to a to a sale. You've got two buyers. You've got two sellers. Someone might be traveling. Someone might be here. Someone mm. might be there. How I want to talk about summer. How has that had an impact with again how you manage your team, how you delegate to whoever? 
what's the impact of that? Well, I think, like you say, at the best of times, we're always looking for pulling like three or four different parties who have completely different agendas and motivations together anyway. But when it comes to summer, and a lot of people leave Dubai, and um, I know that's probably um, not that common in other parts of the world, but there's a kind of mass exodus at the beginning of the summer, which I think we're seeing more this year than I have seen maybe even in 2019. Just because people People are dying to get away, yeah. Yeah. Um, Heat doesn't help. Yeah, sorry to interrupt, I think also a lot of people are now working remotely. Yep. So for instance, my wife at the moment, she's working, but she's working from, from, yeah. from home, you know? It's so I think a lot of people are be, uh, becoming more common. Definitely. For us as a team and the director from what we want to, to try and achieve, and I think it's important to make sure that we understand everyone's travel plans, who's going away, when are they going away, and what we can do to mitigate that. So. Um, I suppose I'm probably the last person that you tell that you're going on holiday, that the person doing your cell progression, um, why would they need to know my my holiday plans for the summer? But it's important that you let them know because there may be some instances where we can put in a plan that will mean that the cell progress can continue while you're away, whether that is giving a power of attorney to somebody, maybe I get you to sign some bank forms in advance and I'll keep them with me, maybe you leave the manager's check with me. So there are things that we can try to do to mitigate any delays that's going to be caused by you going away. But at the same time, it's also important to understand that there's not everything can be done remotely, not everything can be done with a power of attorney, and they will always need approvals. So there are some cases where we will have to look at it and go, this will be delayed if you do go away for this number of... So if I want to travel for six weeks, let's say I um, sign a contract today, and I want to travel for six weeks, I let you know or let my agent know there's still processes in place for me to proceed with the sale and move the sale along, is that correct? Yeah, I think it's very subjective with the case. And I think with, if you were a buyer, for example, um, what you cannot do remotely in any way is sign a final offer letter. You have to be in front of the bank to do that. So you can't give a POA and ask them to do sign a mortgage approval Mm -hmm. for you. So this is something to bear in mind because that could cause a genuine delay. But then for, if you were a seller, for example, maybe requesting a liability letter or collecting a liability letter, we might be able to get that approved with the bank um, for a power of attorney to do that for you. So there are different stages in the process where we can manage with something remotely and some things it's good to understand that, you know, this is something that you are gonna have to- Do you know when you say about we can try and manage it with the banks? Yeah. Is that specific banks? Is that specific banks because we have good relationships with them or is it specific banks because that's their process. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of both really. And there's some processes that are absolutely rigid and, and should be, I suppose, for, for good reason. But there are um, some banks that we know well and um, we have the same contacts in there that we've had for many years dealing mm-hmm. with them. And maybe we can do um, like a, an email from a registered email address or a courier document, something kind of that they will accept um, to pr- process a liability letter, for example. And so remote power attorneys, yes, are they, that. because in COVID, I remember having a, a conversation with, um, I can't remember the gentleman's name in the land department, South and Lewis. Mm. We're on a Google Teams call and we were talking about things that were just stagnant. We couldn't transfer any properties. And we actually got on a call with, I can't, I can't remember the guy's name. And we said, listen, we need to do something here because we have an X amount in our pipeline, X amount of um, deals in our pipeline. We can't move them along. Now we need something of some remote capacity to try and move these along. It came in, it went back out, and then I think it's come back in, is that right? Yeah, exactly. It was a remote power of attorney system and it was in and out with COVID and 
it was great while, while I was in, it was frightening whether you used to take it away because of course all the embassies everywhere were closed. Um, but for us, it has stayed It has stayed in. You can still issue a power of attorney remotely. Now, what that means is that instead of, say, you are in the UK, so instead of going, signing a power of attorney in front of your solicitor and then sending it from Commonwealth office, you the embassy, and couriering it all around the world for all of these stamps, they will. the notary here in Dubai will do a video call with you. So that's how they will attest it and approve your prove your identity. How can they, I know this might sound a silly question, but for just for the viewers, how can they verify who you are? So you'll be there with your passport. So okay. you'll literally hold your passport up to okay. the up to the camera and they will attest the power of attorney. It'll be digital um, and it's got a QR code to verify that it's authenticity. And it's, a, it's as if you had done it in person at the court. Mm -hmm. And it's something that probably one of the best things that actually came out of COVID yeah, that you could do this because it's good as a backup. You know, if you have already traveled and maybe you've stayed longer than you anticipated and now we need to get a POA. It's good to have that there as like an option um, in case in case you can't give a power attorney in Dubai. Okay, good. On to my next question. Now, I'm gonna go a little bit nostalgic here and go back way back when. When I first started, we as a company, we were doing all of our, our transfer, all of our after sales. And there was a time when I thought, right, I'm gonna do a case study here where I want to see how much time I'm wasting, what how much time I'm spending in developers' offices, in um, the land department, in banks, clear, settling finance, and everything else. And within a month, I done it with a with a colleague of mine at the time, and we uh, found out that we lost five days in a month of doing all this, suppose running around again, clearing loans, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, obviously, now a lot more companies are using conveyancing team or sales progression team. So consumers are getting a little bit more yeah. comfortable and understand it a little bit more. From your point of view, and let's say you're advising a client where a client would say, well, I'm paying you X amount for commission. You should do the after sales process. What are your thoughts on that? Do you agree with that? Do you not agree with that? What's your thoughts on it? I definitely get where they're coming from yeah. because as you say, it's becoming more of a market norm, but it, it didn't used to be. So I get the uh, the idea of having an agent to see it through the whole way. Yeah. And I also understand that it might seem like it's only the, the broker's benefit because as you say, you were wasting so much of your time. Um, and by the way, it's not, you would be doing not wasting it. time. Well, yeah, ultimately, exactly, of course. ultimately you're getting paid. Exactly. Yesterday, so I think so, but I know what you mean. And I, I do get it, but I think it's really important to understand that the type of person and the skill set that you have as a broker and the skill set that's needed to actually progress and transfer a sale are completely different skill sets. And they're not always that interchangeable. I'd say it was very rare that you get a broker who's an amazing salesperson, a good client communicator, that is also a really good project manager and super, super organized and able to stay calm when you're trying to juggle a lot of a lot of plates, spinning plates. So I think they're a different skill set and I think it's important to have an expert agent and an expert at the sales progression process. I think also we, we touched on it off off, um, off camera when you said about the relationship with mm. the client. Sometimes an agent might spend two, three, four months, in some cases maybe a year, showing people properties or conducting viewings on their property, building up a relationship with the client. Mm -hmm. And then when they do sign a contract and when they do start the after sales process, it can be a little bit difficult for someone to I'm not saying shut people down, but when something's got to be done or something's got to be said, 
it's a little bit more difficult for an agent to do that. Whereas I'm not saying you're cold, yes, because you're not cold, but you're a little bit cold than most people. But it's not as if it's it's there's an emotion attached to that. You know, it's a business transaction at the end of the yeah. day. And I think it's a little bit easier maybe for you guys to to have that draw that line saying, no, this is what's got to happen, and it's got to happen then. Would you say that as well? Yeah, definitely. And it's not easy because I get that there's an emotional kind of relationship with the agent, met the family, like pick the kids' bedrooms with them. Like I get it and it's it's difficult. But then and at the same time, you know, for us it's harder to build a relationship initially with a client. Yeah. But it is, um, yeah, it's definitely easier sometimes because we're a little bit more removed to address maybe the elephant in the room or what needs to be said that isn't going to be popular, but we need to address this. And it's important that we, that it is addressed if there is an upcoming problem. So they are big tra- transactions, you know, it's people's houses, livelihoods. So I completely get it um, that it's sometimes definitely from, from my experience, it can be easier to sort of take it away and go, look, we, we need to have this conversation. It's not an easy conversation, but it's got to be had. I see from some of our agents, Jess, and they're on the phone as if they're talking to the friends. Yeah, absolutely. Which is and great. It's, it's lovely. Which yeah, is it's really, really nice. good. But sometimes, like I say, it's got to be a case of yeah. line, you know? You say rip the plaster off. Exactly. Okay, Jess, so finally, I wanted to discuss contracts. Um, obviously, every business transaction has a contract. We yep. have our own, of course. Um, we also have what we call a unified form F. Can you just explain what to clients, what things to look out for when they do finally sign a contract yep. or they agree a sale? What things would you say for them to look for? Well, I think it's important to get some really basic things out there and never really assume that anything is the way that you'd expect it to be. Maybe if, especially if you're buying for the first time in Dubai, don't assume that it's the same as when you bought a house in Europe, the UK or wherever that was. So very basic stuff like have, what's the price that I've agreed to pay? How much more than that do I actually need? So what are the land department fees, the broker fees, do I need to pay for NOCs? What's the mortgage gonna cost me? So get your costs down and make sure that that's really clear to you. Um, and transfer dates, yeah. um, they may happen earlier, they may happen after the transfer date, but get an understanding of, am I actually gonna be in the country then? Is that the date that works for me? Does that work for the seller? Are we in agreement with this? And like I say, just work, I don't assume anything. So if you see something in a property and you just assume it's gonna be there, like make sure that actually that that is something that's clear between the two of you, because if anything becomes disputable or becomes in dispute, is disputable a word? Yeah, yeah. Um, becomes in dispute, then we are gonna refer to that contract and make sure you read it. Make sure I was gonna say, probably the most simple thing that you could have said yeah. is read the contract. And it sounds like a really, really ridiculous thing to say. Read, and again, yeah. our contract that we use, I think it's only a three page document and it's it's very, very straightforward. Yeah, it's not I'd gonna say, keep you up all night. Yeah, exactly. I'd say it's it's very unbiased. I think it's it helps both parties, as well as us as a broker as well. Obviously, yeah. we've gotta protect our interests as well. But I think, yeah, one simple, Bit of advice would be yeah, to make sure that you read the contract to ensure that you're comfortable with everything that's that's in the body of the, of the MOU. Yeah, and what you will walk away with is you'll sign a unified form F, which is the land department contract yeah. that needs to be signed, and an agreement of sale. And yeah. the reason that's there is the unified form F is a completely rigid document that is uneditable and isn't exactly really the terms what buyers and sellers are normally intending to agree to. So the agreement of sale is more of a cover all for what is what what is actually our intentions. I think here, what you'll find as well, yes, is that a lot of companies are following suit. A yeah, lot definitely. of companies are not just using the unified yeah. format, they are using what we call an agreement of sale or an MOU. So, yeah, it's very common mm. in the market. That's very 
normal practice and just to understand what you've what you've agreed to um, for sure. Brilliant. Yeah. Listen, thanks very much for today, Jess. Thanks really appreciate it. And thanks very much for joining in, guys. Um, if you have anything sales progression related, please contact Jessica on jess at allsopandallsop.com or in the comment section of what you can find below. Thank you very much.